Hey, everybody. Welcome to Inside Situation, a bi-weekly podcast where we share with you some of the conversations we're having inside the agency. I'm Peter Yajisic, head of technology at Situation. And this week, I have two very special guests joining us live in studio, not remote. We have the two members of our dev team, uh, Jeremy Strom and Adam Sedwick. Hello, guys. Hey, Peter. Hello. Uh, welcome back. You guys were on the podcast how many months ago at this point? You were on an earlier edition of our podcast. Uh, I think it was like episode four or five. Yeah. It was, it was, it was early days, I remember. Uh, and um, the topic that I thought you guys would be very uh, equipped to speak to uh, – since you do both work remotely most of the time, you don't work here in the New York office, but uh, Adam, you work in Chicago, and Jeremy, you're working in Tennessee, correct? Yes. Correct. Yes. Uh, we won't get any more specific than that. You're going to have to respect their <laughs> privacy. But um, Jeremy, you you have always worked remotely since you started working with us full time. Can you talk a little bit about whether or not, you know, is this something that you have done for many jobs in your career? Uh, versus, you know, versus actually coming into a place to work an eight hour shift and going home, um, you know, and, and what's your experience been in kind of telecommuting? So I started out quite a few years ago with a, a company, uh, that was in the same city that I was living in. And then I moved, we decided to move to a smaller town closer to grandparents and stuff like that. So I approached my boss and said, Hey, what would you think about like a telecommuting situation? Um, would that work? And he said, yeah, let's give it a try. So, so I did that for a while after moving. And, and then ever since then, I've just always worked remote for in a variety, I guess, of capacities like kind of running my own company, doing my own thing, to contract work, to employee work. Uh, so that's been going on for Maybe nine years now, I think. Nine. I was going to ask you what year that nine was or when ten you first years, started. Yeah. So, so you've been ahead of the curve. I mean, I think it's become a much more popular option specifically for certain types of work. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think for, for a web developer specifically, you you kind of put in the effort to make it work. What, what are some of the things that early on when you first started working from home full time, what were some of the things that you discovered uh, that you needed to put in place to kind of maintain that discipline of, of of being available, making sure that you didn't feel too detached from from the the full time office. There there were a few things uh, with the, that initial company that I worked with. We did a lot over instant messenger, and so and you had to sh- like you you had to show that you were online. Uh, and available. And so that was for me kind of the thing that, oh, I got to be like visibly present. I'm not there physically, but people have to see that I'm up, I'm out of bed, I'm working. <laughs> A virtual <laughs> uh, presence. and An yeah, avatar so, of some kind indicating and, your, your wakeful state. Yeah. And pe- people used to joke that I probably built some kind of machine to wiggle my mouse every three minutes or something, which, but I never did do that. And I don't, uh, that's funny. <laughs> well, you could. I you mean, could. in theory, you if could, anybody but, could. But over time, if like if your work will find you out, if you are not doing the job, it'll become evident. So you, you like for me, that's enough um, to keep. You know, I don't don't slack at home. Uh, so and also, I've got kids in school, so I get up, take them to school, come home, and get get working. So it's kind of baked into my routine. 
now. Right. Uh, so I, I don't have to rely on my own sort of uh, discipline very often to, to make myself do it. Right. Um, so that's important, having structure in place that, that creates it for you. And, and Adam, you have only recently, I mean, you worked in the New York office here for Situation for a while. And with your family move to another state, you've only recently started telecommuting full time. Does what Jeremy said, you know, first question, I guess, is this the first job where that's been a reality for you? And number two, do you do you agree with some of the thing? What, what have you learned early on as you've started as kind of successful ways to to make that transition transition? Yeah, so this is not the first time I've worked remote. Uh, I did it for another company uh, originally when I had moved to New York uh, from Chicago. Uh, I was working for the company out of Chicago here in New York. Um, that was the first time I had worked remote. And I, you, I learned very quickly what Jeremy had expressed, where they learn very easily whether or not you're actually doing your job. Uh, because I was still, I guess you could say a relatively young adult. I mean, I'm still technically a young adult, but I'm You're more, the youngest one in the room. I'm, we'll give I'm, you that. I'm more adult than I was three years ago. Uh, and it was my first time not having someone like watching whether or not I'm working. So if I didn't feel like working, it was like, yeah, I'm just going to turn the TV on and watch TV for the rest of the day. Uh, and it does you have to set up systems uh, in order to be successful working from home. Um, right now I'm going through this uh, because we're in the process of, of buying a house, my wife and I. That's kind of why we moved home uh, back to Chicago. And one of the big things that we talked about is we want a separate office so that you can separate home from work. Right. And having the physical space to do that helps set up that routine all right, if I'm in the office, I'm working. And then that also helps uh, other people understand if I'm in the office, I'm not at home. Right. So don't come bug me for all intents and purposes. I'm in another location. Right. And and so I think one of the interesting – you bring up an interesting point about that delineation between being at work and not being at work. You know, I think some of us who come into the office every day still do quite a bit of work from home, whether it's checking email at night or, or, you know, checking in over the weekend or that emergency thing happens. And I think that you're right with that with with that is kind of a blurring of the lines, because you can if you have email on work email on your phone, you can always be at work, which is, I think, a terrible idea. But, uh, you know, do you find it works in the reverse as well that you have a clear definition, either of you, between kind of your work hours and your off work hours. I mean, there's on some level, the, the things that we build need to be up 365 to, you know, 24 uh, seven. But uh, do you do you find that it helps with the clarity of your off work time that you work from your home? Yeah, I would say a little bit. Um, as you had stated, I have I think all three of us have our work email on our phones. Uh, it's just part of the job. Uh, I check emails at all hours of the day. We have people who send emails at right. all hours of the day. Um, but I do think, and Jeremy, you had kind of touched on this uh, when you were talking about uh, kind of being present while working, um, is the fact that we are working from 
when the office opens to when the office closes. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit easier to say, well, these are my work hours. And then you can separate that even if you're in the same place right now, my desk is two feet away from my couch. Um, but I can separate. Well, if I'm at the desk from eight 30 in the morning to five 30 at night, I'm working. And then anything I do outside of those hours for the most part is not work related. So I do think, I do think that helps. I have done other jobs where if you're working remote or you're working from home or you're freelancing on something, you work whenever you want. You work any hours of the day. You don't yeah. have to be, unless it's in your contract, you don't have to be available from hour A to hour B. And I think doing that specifically with situation helps separate when when you're working from when you're not working. Yeah, talk about that a little bit because I think you guys are full-time developers working here. I think and I think telecommuting in that situation is a different scenario than being a freelancer where, you know, we work with freelancers that we know prefer to work overnight or might work in another country or, you know, I, so I, I think what, what are the differences between being a full-time developer? And maybe it's just as easy as you just match the company hours, but what are, what are the differences between kind of a freelancer mentality versus a, no, this is my full-time job. I mean, other than we know you're always available, so we don't have to ask. Well, Jeremy could probably speak to this a little better than I can because you work different hours than what situation hours are. We are, you're currently, I guess, piloting, we could call it, uh, working Tuesday through Saturday. Yeah. So we're trying out this, this idea and it mainly came from the place of, uh, you hate Mondays. (laughs) I hate Mondays. Yeah. (laughs) You are Garfield. No, uh, there are so many interruptions throughout the day that it's really difficult to get some focused work done. Um, so many meetings, phone calls, and and uh, and things like that. I know that's true for everybody, but as a developer, it's important to like you have to kind of carve out your your uh, dedicated time. And so we're trying a few different ways to help create that. Uh, and one of them is is uh, trying out Tuesday through Saturday. And so far it's there, you know, there've been a couple of little hiccups with things that need to be done on a Monday or meetings that somebody scheduled on a Monday or things like that. But for the most part, like on Saturdays, I get more work done on that day than I do the entire week. As far as like the hard coding, uh, you know, like, uh, right. call it actual work. <laughs> um, the solo part like produce job. actually producing a product um, and also the other thing that I didn't anticipate ha- has been uh, sort of a, like an insurance or peace of mind where we're in all these meetings and talking about all these things we have to do um, and in a sense we're all like writing these checks that I have to cash by writing the code that does the thing we talked about. And so always I'm thinking, when am I going to do this? When am I going to do this? And just having that Saturday there has been, uh, I know that I can do this on Saturday. Right. And so just the peace of mind, even outside of work, um, where it just, it, I don't have to worry about it. I don't mm. have to think about it or, or try to figure out where this is going to come from. I just relegate it. This is going to be a Saturday thing and it'll be fine. Well, that, that can be a pressure release all throughout the week, I imagine mm-hmm. if you get stuck in a bunch of meetings, you're like, okay, 
I'm going to keep that time sacred, that time that I know that I have full control over what gets assigned and in what yeah. order I do something. Now, you you may not know until Friday afternoon all the things that pile up for that Saturday, but you you know that you can provision that time as you need it. Yeah. And the, and the other side of that, too, is uh, now Monday is my favorite day because <laughs> on Sunday we do outings with the kids, you know, spend time with the family. And Monday they go to school and I have a day uh, just to recharge and, and, uh, like as an introvert, that's a very important, uh, thing for me is to create that space, have time to do something for myself, like go get my nails done, et cetera. Nice. Well, they look great by the way. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm so glad that you have the hands and the feet. Done. Yeah. Jeremy's wearing no shoes. Um, <laughs> no, that, that makes a lot of sense. So do you ever find, uh, you, you alluded to the idea that, uh, in general, you, you are cat, you, your butt is cashing a lot of checks that we write or some metaphor like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but, but I, I mean, it's forever. The, the plight of the developer is to realize the vision of a whole team of other people, right. um, and to come to the table and say, this is the way that I would do it. This is not possible. This is the way that we can get there. Uh, do you... How is that made more complicated by the fact that you are working remotely most of the time? Does it weeks like this where you're in the office where you guys are both here and we can put you in some of those meetings and and include you? It seems to me like there's a great benefit from from the proximity because you you have you can I think get a little bit better sense of just the general vibe of what people are talking about, what we're working on, the kinds of crazy things we're pitching. So so how do you how do you make up for that at a, at a distance? How do you insert yourself earlier in the process before we've committed to something that can't be done or, or should have had more thought? How do you how do you compensate for that? Yeah, that's probably the most difficult thing because when you're when you're at the office it's a lot more natural to get pulled into conversations overhear conversations uh you know see meetings are going on and like stick, on? stick your head in yeah. butt into the conversation what are you talking about? <laughs> and, and then yeah so when you're offsite it just takes a lot more intentionality to on the part of everyone involved to be to be included uh in those conversations um but yeah, I remember when I first went went off site with the company that I was with uh, back a long time ago. Um, I'd been doing a lot of uh, like we kind of rotated out team leads for each each project that would come out, you know. So uh, each person would take a turn as the team lead for that that project, each developer. Um, and I found when I went off site that like we that was no longer something that in that in that culture worked. And so I became like, just I, all I could do is grunt work because there was, so it didn't feel like there was opportunity to bring any leadership or direction uh, or even opportunity for promotion in, right. in that culture. Cause I think mm. the idea of it was so new and like, there just wasn't a mechanism or an understanding of how do we fold people in who are not here. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, that's another you know, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I, th I think the mentality could be like, "Oh, are they freelancers? No, they're they're full they're full members of the team, just like everybody else." I mean, we've but and I think as more and more people, 
explore the diversity of what an office is. I, I think that, you know, for better or worse, our industry is getting better at it and, and you know, devising better solutions and, uh, you know, the, nothing will ever replace FaceTime, but I, I think it, and everybody wants the flexibility. Except the app FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> That's no. true. Uh, but, but, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, we, we've struggled with, I mean, we've had remote offices in other cities that, you know, have struggled to, to how do they avoid feeling like the, 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 you know, the second banana. And I, I think that there's a big component of the tools involved. And I'd love to pick your guy's brain for a second, uh, you know, and just get into the details of literally what are, what are the communications tools that you find you know, right now in 2016 are critical to your ability to work remote from a big team, a big collaborative team. Um, you know, can, can you just kind of list off what's in your, your club, you know, your, your golf bag of, of, of clubs of, of successfully working remotely? I think I know some of them. I'm probably don't aware of everything, but like day to day, you know, your preferred way of uh, video calls versus phone calls, Slack versus IM. Like, what are you guys? What are you employing most, and what do you find? And I think works well. I do. I do think um, having a large bag of options is important because a lot of it comes down to personal preference. Uh, like, I know the last thing that I want to do is have to hop on a phone call with someone. If I can find a way to do everything but get on the phone with you. I will try everything but get on the phone with you. I just don't want to pick up my phone. Uh, so a lot of what we use, we have uh, a couple of different instant messaging platforms. Like the office as a whole uses uh, Link or Skype for Business, depending on who you ask what it's called. Right. Uh, we as a development team and with our or other remote contract employees use Slack um, and project managers, and some. and some of the project management team, um, mostly just because it's a little bit nicer of like a chat platform. Uh, it's got a little bit more features than what Link does, and uh, it was it was built to be a fancy chat platform. Does, so does our design team are they on Slack or any they are not? Okay, uh, it's pretty much just the. Like the digital production team. So the project management team, development and, team. And the development team. Is there a benefit to only having those two teams use that platform because you know that that tool is what you use to most uh, connect with, with the project managers? Or would you like to see that expanded into more, more people's, uh, the design team, for example? I would love, and I don't, I assume you have the same opinion, but I don't know. I would love to see the entire office using Slack. Yeah. It's just a better, nicer, more consistent program. It was built to be like the nice team chat program. Link has a long tail and has inherited a lot of stuff that we don't use or we don't need. Uh, Slack as a whole is – it was built to be a fancy interface for um, IQC. Why can I not remember ICQ. what it's called? ICQ chat. Um, so it's it's a persistent group chat. It also happens to do one-on-one -on -one chat. Right. Uh, and now they have bought a couple of companies, uh, and they keep getting funded. They just finished another round at 
$204 million funding at like a $2.4 billion valuation. So they're not slowing down. Um, but they, they bought Screen Hero, which focused on video and voice call applications of the same nature. Uh, they just rolled out voice calls through Slack. So now if I need to get on a phone call, I don't have to cognitively shift. All right, well, now let me get off my computer, take my headphones connected to my computer off, pick up my phone. Now I've done seven things. I have no idea what I was doing. Whereas opposed to now with Slack, it's I can just click a button and, hey, I'm talking to you as a person. Yeah, sometimes I wonder, though, when they, when they take something that works really well and they try to just jam so many more features into it, they end up killing mm-hmm. what was great about it. So I, I, you know, I, and I think you really hit the nail on the head, Adam. I know my my personal, I just want to know that I have one way and a backup way for everything, every way that I need to do what I need to do. So whether that's VPN and log me in, mm-hmm. and you know, doing kind of double duty, I always want to have that that uh, that extra way to 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 be able to get what I need done done. Um, so that I'm not reliant on any, any one point of failure. I mean, Jeremy, it seems like you agree that Slack is is a popular tool. Are there other? Uh, you you also, I think, uh, when we're an early champion of of using Google Hangouts for video mm-hmm. collaboration, yeah. is, is that still something that uh, you feel is a good the, the best tool for that kind of thing? Um, I do love Google Hangouts uh, because I think the FaceTime um, aspect is important a lot of times uh, rather than just a phone call right. and also the ability to switch quickly into screen sharing like it's a lot more natural like if I come over to your office I want to look at you and talk and then I might want to look at your screen and see what you know walk you through something or whatever right. uh, so it's a lot more natural interaction um, than you know like Adam said let's switch over to the phone uh, and then find another way to somehow share a screen where you're going to have to download some software and like open up this other stuff and whatever. Right. Um, so yeah, anything that's a seamless integration, I think I would, I'd be a little bit excited if Slack got video and screen sharing. Uh, we could do voice yeah, video screen sharing cool. in mm-hmm. Slack and get rid of everything else. As long as it works really well, that would make me happy. Um, All right. Well, Slack, we, we are also willing to let you sponsor your inside situation at any point. <laughs> if you need to buy some advertising, we're your place, and uh, you can raise that additional fundage to get that video. I do, just before um, moving on to the next topic, I do just want to kind of point out the one thing that everyone kind of takes for granted working in the office is just how easy communication is when you can walk over to someone's desk or if another developer is having a problem, I can walk over and we can work on it together, looking at the same screen, talking about what we're doing, or I need to go talk to a designer. I can just walk over to their desk where working remote tools like Google Hangout, screen sharing, and Slack do become the most important tool in your arsenal because trying to type out or even talk someone through how to do something without visually being able to guide them through it is 10 times harder than doing it face to face or even over a screen. Yeah. I mean, I've, I personally have worked on projects with remote developers that have gone on for weeks until, and, and been solved in five minutes 
once we get everybody together on a screen share. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that variable is off. And that's the thing that's been holding up this project for three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I, Jimmy. You, you don't realize how much, uh, like, how many visual cues there are. Like, you'll look over at somebody and they look really busy so you don't bother them. Or you might you might accidentally make eye, con eye contact and they go, yeah, I'm going to go over and talk about what I was thinking about. And that does not happen over remote. So there's there's always a barrier of entry to communication remote that isn't uh, always – or that isn't there in the office. But it's – but the difference is, is tough to uh, to pinpoint because right. you don't realize how much nonverbal and how – you like everything else that – that uh, goes on. So any tools that reduce that barrier of entry are, uh, are very good. So. Well, and, and so even, you know, even when you as developers work in the office, you have such a close relationship with our project management team mm -hmm. on some layer. I don't say they're your translators, but they are your first line of defense. Yeah. Uh, you know, that we try to make any, any requests that come through, you know, we, we try not to let anybody just barrage you guys at any point. We filter it through the project management team who can be that person to say, you know what, Jeremy's got 20 things on his plate today that he's got to get done first. You know, why don't we see if that's something that somebody else could help with? Or Adam's been working on this one thing he really needs to. So, so I imagine that is only intensified working remotely that you rely on the PMs to really be your eyes and ears and, and help with those verbal cues and help kind of diffuse some of the, the buildup of kind of the intense level of requests. I think I've spent less time at my desk this week than I have at other people's desks, just talking with them and working through things. And it's, it's like that stuff like that. It just goes to show the, like how the verbal cues or the nonverbal cues are. Like if I'm at my desk and someone needs to get my attention. Uh, something that I did when I worked in the office is typically if my headphones are on, I'm busy. Wait five minutes. And it's it's stuff like that where like that doesn't exist over the sure. like the internet. Like you can send me a message. I may not even be there. Like it, I'm going to receive the message, but I may not be at my desk. I may be getting lunch or taking my dog out or I may be on a phone call in a meeting and there's just no way to know stuff like that where it's like in the office, I'm at my desk and I, so I'm here. I can see if you send me a chat message or you can come over and we can chat or I can go over to you and chat. And it's, it's just like, like Jeremy had said, those subtle nonverbal cues are potentially the most important thing that you lose. Well, and I think that, you know, when you lose any sense, like the sense of sight, I think, you know, whether it's fair or not, then it becomes incumbent on you guys to almost over-communicate to, to kind of, because you, you know, as if, if you, if I, you know, see that you look to be available on, on, on link and or an instant message, and I try to send a message, and time after time, like I can think of certain people in the office that I would link who never reply to my links, and so I'll just walk over and say, "Hey, how's it going?" Um, but I think it, it 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 kind of makes it even more important for you to say for you to use those status messages like out to lunch or on a call or, mm -hmm. "Hey, I've heard you," mm -hmm. I, you know, because I think. To, to your point, Jeremy, that's what diffuses the idea that you've built that robot that pretends you're working. Yeah. You, so uh, you, you kind of, unfortunately, part of the, the price you guys pay is you have 
that additional onus to be just overly communicative, I think, mm-hmm. or like I was blocked out on this period of time and you do it very well, you know, in, in you have kind of your, your mornings blocked out. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to do that too. When I, if I need to carve time out for myself for R and D where I don't want to be disturbed, I try to put a meeting in for it yeah. because then uh, it, it just, I don't then resent somebody blocking mm-hmm. over that time that I'd mentally set aside for this thing. Yeah. And I, I do try to, I've gotten pretty good at typing in a meeting with one hand. <laughs> with one finger. Yeah. With one finger when I'm, when somebody messages me and I uh, can't talk to them right then. Right. And then a, a little thing you can do is just how you, how you phrase a question when you're trying to, to reach out to someone. Like I know when I, whenever I need to ask you a question, I don't know if you're going to respond in two seconds or five minutes, or you could be in a meeting and it could take a half hour. So typically when I go to ask you a question, Jeremy, I'll say, hey, when you have a chance, can we chat about this? And so it's kind of let me know when you have 10 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And so it's kind of like, I don't need you right now. This is a heads up. And even something like that is infinitely better than an email because you're going to check your email three times a day. And by the time you check that email, it's been four hours. Yeah. Well, and I, I, I think the other side to that contract is if, if you, if that's the way that you're going to set it up, then, then you expect Jeremy to keep the other half of that contract and to then not forget yeah. that you asked for those ten yeah. minutes. So whatever it is to kind of put Adam in the mental queue. Yeah. You know, again, that's that's why I'm a big fan of if I if I know I need to if I have a hard deadline for something, I'll I'll throw it on my calendar. I mean, like because mm-hmm. you can do it in ten fifteen minute increments. You know, right. you can just yeah. say, like, oh, I got to get back to Adam. Yeah, I, I normally, like, and this isn't the most effective solution, but I'll see the message in my notifications, right. and I'll read at least the first half of it, and then I'll leave in the status of that message in on Slack, I'll leave it unread so that when, right. I, when I look again, I see that, oh, yeah, I, I need to get back to Adam mm-hmm. about that. So the only time I fall down on that is if I click on it and read Adam's message and then click away and have um, because I'm in the middle of something Mm -hmm. else then I I might not get back to him right (laughs) then he's gonna have to message me again and start the process yeah but I'm not disgruntled (laughs) right it's okay I don't have more than twice (laughs) well there's no perfect (laughs) but I I I will say that I think you guys both do you know from someone who's working in the main office all the time I, I do really appreciate all the effort you guys put into to you know, make it feel like you are here, make you and available. It, it's not easy. And, you know, again, I know you, you have to fight against that, those constant interruptions, but I think uh, the, the effort that you both make is very much appreciated. So on behalf of the hive mind, <laughs> thank you. Um, so la- last question to wrap up, uh, and this is more of kind of a thought provoker, but if situation uh, decided tomorrow that we were going to open local offices in your hometown, in Chicago, and in the unnamed town in Tennessee where Jamie lives. Uh, Let's just say Nashville. In Nashville <laughs> proximate. Uh, would you guys still prefer to work from home, or would you want to work in the office? For me, one of the biggest uh, stressors that I uh, had when I was working in an office was the daily commute, mm. driving through city traffic and uh, this one home. is a 10-minute bike ride from your house to this hypothetical office. Well, okay, that's a different thing. <laughs> I happen to live in a town that has the worst commute in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you could probably 
figure out from backwards from that way. But, uh, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> People are plotting on Google Maps, right? Yeah, yeah. Worst commute in Tennessee. <laughs> no, but um, but that so, but that obviously what you've identified is that is commute is 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 one of the things that you think about. It's it's one of the things that was a big factor in quality of life, mm. and so I would want to. I do value the uh, the proximity and the collaboration, and so I think my perfect world would be uh, it would be a combination, like maybe a couple days a week together at an office, and mm-hmm. then you know maybe three days a week from home, or you know some yeah. some sort of thing like that. That's cool. Um, and so that there you kind of get the the best of both worlds, or maybe some flexibility in the office hours so that you're, you're not stuck in the rush hour commute both right. directions. And, uh, you, so you can either go in earlier or come in late or whatever. Um, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be terrible. And, uh, like, of course I'm, I'm pretty spoiled now because I've d- spent a lot of years rolling out of bed and right. <laughs> getting straight to work. And, uh, you know, that feels pretty good. No, that um, makes sense. Adam, what about you? Uh, I would work in the office in a heartbeat. I have, there's not a doubt in my mind that if we opened a local office, I would be there day one. I very much so miss being in an office. Um, I'm just not really one of those people who's cut out to not have a lot of human interaction. Mm. And it's different for you because you have a wife and you have kids. I have a wife and a dog. Well, and I would say that you're you're more of an extrovert uh, than, and, I, and well. I'm definitely an introvert. Um, and you so, just like to talk. Well, that kind of you makes like an audience, an extrovert, and you know. But I mean, the just being able to roll over to somebody's desk and talk through a problem, or uh, like whiteboard a problem out with other people, uh, it's just the. The collaboration aspect is something that I – i it's what I strive for like when I'm in the office. Like this week I've been – like I said, I've spent less time at my desk than anyone else's because I'm trying to hit everybody and kind of touch base and say, hey, uh, like where are we on this thing? Or even if I'm not currently working on a project with someone, just like, hey, I'm here. I wanted to say hi. Um, we'll probably work together again in the future sometime. Uh, just so they kind of get an understanding of like what my personality is, because if you send me a message, I either I could like I could respond very quickly with a very short message and it may make you think that I'm upset with you or you may be waiting 20, 30 minutes to get a response from me, which, again, may make you think that I don't really want to talk to you. It's just how how I am. And then in person. I talk very quickly and I tend to be very passionate about things. So I feel like the more time I spend with someone, the more they'll understand I'm not yelling at you. I'm just yelling in general. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think in any relationship, in any work relationship, the more FaceTime you can have, the more you just know how somebody beats Mm -hmm. and you, you get a sense for, you know, what you, that, that can happen over time. But I think if you only work with someone remotely, I think that amount of time is probably quadrupled mm-hmm. versus, you know, just sitting, sitting in proximity to them for a couple of weeks. I think you, you start to get a sense for how someone likes to communicate. And then as far as, I guess, as far as the commute goes, I grew up in Chicago. 
I'm used to it. Yeah, I, I think we take I it love for... driving, so it's not like it's not a big deal to me where even if I were in traffic for 45 minutes a day, I just enjoy being in the car. So that's mm-hmm. not like that's not a killer for me. Yeah, I think if you work and live in New York City, I mean, some people might disagree with this, but a commute is a commute is a commute. You go into one train, you come out another train, and <laughs> oh. and it, it, it you don't. Yeah. I don't think you have that. It, it's much less like to fume if you're stuck in the traffic or behind the wheels. It is in other cities. Yeah, I think there's a big difference between driving and riding. Yeah. I would be happy to ride. Yeah, or uh, bike unless or... there were too many people very close to me. But yeah. Uh... <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, don't don't but don't I'm, move to Williamsburg. Don't take the A train. Yeah, self-driving yeah, or, 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 cars. Or, or, that's what I'm waiting for. As soon as we get self-driving cars that I can afford, um, I then I will commute all the time. You can, all right, you have it on record. You can work yeah. on your commute. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Jeremy, Adam, really appreciate your time. Loved having you in the office this week. It's been a blast. I'm glad we got a chance to do some hang. Uh, you know, still working on trying to maybe hook up the video game console tomorrow from the conference room, see what we can do with that. But again, thank you guys so much. Really appreciate it. And um, if you, our listeners, have any feedback for the podcast, please send an email to podcast at situation.nyc. Otherwise, we'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks so much. 